great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website, and you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So doing what I do is a labor of love. Being able to empower you, to provide information to you, to give you advice that can make your wallet stronger, get you more control over your financial future, I love doing that. And so it's really important that the information I give you in answer to your questions is accurate and understandable. There are times that I fail on either or both of those, and that's why I want you, when you're listening and you feel like, I came up short, I need for you to advise me. And that's why we have Clark Stinks. It's a message board on Clark.com. You can go there and you can post where I did come up short. And then weekly, producer Krista goes through your posts and shares them with you here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. So, Krista, what you got cooking today? All right. We're going to start with this one. In quotes, not your friend who likes tinkering with cars. Clark, some of us amateur mechanics are as competent as any pro, the main difference being tools and equipment. Personally, I feel like if a friend asked me to check out a used car, I could provide at least as thorough an evaluation as a hired mechanic. I'm not saying every tinkerer is a master mechanic, but some of us have more than enough skills and experience to do the job. And since we're doing it for a friend, we might even be a little more conscientious about it than a disinterested third party, not to mention cheaper. I very much appreciate that post. And when you hear me be so strident about not going with a buddy to check out a car, but having a mechanic do it, it's because a lot of times somebody will be a car buff and they can quote to you every stat about the newest cars and horsepower and all that, but they're not going to know about the nuts and bolts of a vehicle. If you are lucky enough to have that friend who really knows a vehicle, that is just fine and you save the money. Clark, I know you try to squeeze in as much advice as you can for each caller, but on an ask, Clark, I think your answer was incomplete. The question related to someone who had multiple cards highly utilized but was now at a zero balance and only using one card and paying it off in full. You rightly mentioned that the utilization of available credit is part of the credit scoring process. What you failed to mention is that if there is no balance, there is no impact on utilization. Further, the cards that get closed would remain on the credit file as closed in good standing for another 10 years. There'd be negligible, if any, impact on their credit score. The only one impact is if they use the remaining cards available credit limit beyond 30%. And if they did that, the other cards would help, but only a little bit as the FICO model looks at each individual card's utilization as well as all the cards together. Given the increased utility of credit in today's economy, I'd like to encourage you to go a little deeper in these into these issues. Perhaps a show designed for specific issues might be in order. Credit score Monday or travel cheap Tuesday as, as an example. 
In the meantime, I encourage you again to consider opening your closet of all the skeletons and running for office. So many good ideas of yours that will never see the light of day unless you put them into action. Skeletons in my closet. Where do I begin? Can you imagine? Actually, I don't know that I have any. Remember that time when you flew paid first retail class? retail for something? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really dull. I, I just imagine, you know, if a private detective was hired to follow me to try to dig up dirt for a political campaign against me. Oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> he went for a bagel today and he paid 59 cents extra for butter on the bagel. I mean, come on, what are you going to come up with? But anyway, on the issue of the credit scoring models, so there's only so much I can cover, as you said so perfectly, in a single instance in the case of an ass clark so the thing with credit utilization depending on which scoring model you're using generally a credit card that has been active in your mix but is one that has not been lately will eventually tail off from being calculated as what percent of your available credit you're using and that's why you'll hear me say even a back of the wallet card that you've kind of forgotten about Use it for small purchases twice a year so it stays active and available in your mix. The advantage is that the percent of your available credit you're using accounts for nearly a third of your overall credit score. You never want to use more than 30% of your available credit. If you want to turbocharge your credit score, never more than 10% of your available credit. SAT advice, outrageous moment, needs some reflection. I would normally agree with Clark's advice to check the box to not allow College Board to sell your child's personal information, but there may be a benefit that your child and parents miss out on by opting out of information sharing. If your child does exceedingly well on the exam, many colleges will contact you with an offer of merit scholarships. Free money is on the line. Perhaps you may want to reconsider that advice if you have a student that tests in the top percentile. That is a very interesting post because colleges uh, struggling to fill their enrollment lists right now for freshman enrollments may be more generous for people entering college this fall with financial offers like merit offers to try to get people to consider a college they've never considered. And that's a very interesting post as a reason why you would want to allow the selling of your personal information by the SAT people or the ACT people. Couple of posts about alarm systems. Free security system using old Android phone. Clark, my dear Clark, how could you have missed this? There are several free apps that turn an old Android phone into a security camera that will upload images to its cloud service when triggered by motion. Some can let you view live images over the internet and even talk through the phone's speaker. I've been using the Alfred app for a few months. I love it and it's free. Joe in Kalamazoo. And then this one. Recently, a caller asked Clark about home alarm systems that couldn't, don't require costly monitoring. Clark recommended Uma and Simply Safe that both charge for monthly monitoring. Shame on you, Clark. There are a variety of systems that allow for self-monitoring through one smartphone for free. 
Um, I use one called Piper. The system costs around $300 up front, but I pay zero for monitoring. It allows me to access a camera in my home through my smartphone and alerts me if someone opens a window or door while it's armed. The phone app links with IFTTT, which, so it automatically arms when both my wife and I leave the home and disarms when one of us returns. No one should be paying for monthly monitoring anymore. The security industry is twisted like a pretzel right now because of all the new self-installed DIY security systems. Uh, being able to try these things, I'll look at Alfred, I'll look at Piper, I'm not familiar with either of those, and I'll see if I should be updating what I say on Clark.com and what I say here with you on the air. I appreciate those posts. Clark keeps talking about adding someone to to a credit card account to boost their credit score. He says check with the bank. He brings this up often, and it would be helpful if he knows of any, as I do not, banks that are that will take down a Social Security number and report to the credit bureau. So... Uh, my teenage daughter, uh, the the credit card company asked for her social security number, made it optional to provide it. I provided it, and now she has that reporting on her credit file. So I guess it does depend on the issuer whether or not they take the social security number of an authorized user, and then in turn whether or not they report to the bureaus. What bank was that one, just so they know? USAA. Zabasearch. Clark, I used Zabasearch yesterday per your recommendation. I clicked for a free search, entered the info, and was impressed at what appeared to be the search process. However, at the end of the search, if I wanted to see the results, I had to pay a subscription price. Right. Not quite free as the main page teaser suggested it would be. Right. Zabasearch has changed its business model, and the type of information that used to be available for free on Zabasearch no longer is. Uh, I guess they found that they were getting almost nobody who, once they got the access to the information that was available for free, never went to pay for information behind the paywall. So now everything pretty much is behind the paywall. So I can tell you that I know this is weird, but so many investigative producers in television now are able to find so much stuff just, I mean, this sounds so lame. But just by doing Google searches, they're able to find so much stuff that is now in public domain. You'd be surprised. Somebody who, whose uh, home address you're trying to find, where it used to be that was something you could find on Zaba Search, now even with a simple Google search, you may find somebody's uh, phone number and their actual, hopefully, if you're looking for current address, current address, but at very least, prior addresses for someone without paying anybody at any time. It's also creepy that that kind of information is so readily available. Clark, I love the show, and I don't think that you actually stink. I'll also refrain from using the term Mr. Howard, but you should recheck your facts when it comes to the Costco executive membership rewards. From Costco's terms and conditions regarding executive membership rewards, quote, the reward is not guaranteed to be equal to or greater than the executive upgrade fee paid, end quote. I just got my executive reward check, and lo and behold, it was less than the difference I paid for the 2% reward. I still love Costco, but I'll be downgrading to a regular membership. Just an FYI, keep up the great work. So here's the crazy thing, and uh, you're not the only person who mentioned this to me, is with Costco, if you 
find you're not earning enough 2% cash back to make the extra $60 worth it for the executive membership, you can go in at any time during the membership year and they will refund you back to the very first day of the membership year. If you join Costco at any price level and you later find, hey, I'm not really using this, they'll give you the whole money back even if it's in the 11th month of a one-year membership. So it's something you have to act on but your money is available to you at any time that you paid for membership at any level. So let's say you paid 120 for executive and you realize that's not working for you. You could downgrade to 60 and they'll give you the full 60 back at any time during the membership year. Hello, Cheapskate Howard, a.k.a. Mr. Eugene H. Krabs. Do you know who that is? I don't. SpongeBob character, Mr. Krabs. Oh, Who's very cheap. (laughs) I am somewhat worried about your advice on buying cheaper Android phones. Yes, they are functionally proficient, but most of the Chinese brands seem to eschew system updates to never, ever land. This, in turn, makes these very cheap mobile devices into security nightmares, unless if you root and install a custom ROM, a task for the young technologist in the family. This might lead to a bad experience, a bad exposure to the Android to many normals. Hopefully, with Google's initiative, Project Treble, there will be more ease of deployment of updates by OEMs. Also, those who don't want to pay for a high-end flagship, OnePlus is a good company to check out. They recently got a student discount available. I didn't know about the student discount. All the buzz at CES about cell phones was about the OnePlus 5T. I mean, all the techies were just like crazy about that one, and... It is true, though, with Androids that you are dependent first on the cell phone provider you have, whether or not they will allow an update, and the cell phone carriers, for whatever reason, are terrible about doing the necessary updates, and then some of the cheaper phone manufacturers are poor about doing updates to the operating system. And it's one of the things that Google knows they've got to fix with Android is figure out a way around both the cell phone manufacturers that are not doing the updates and, more importantly, the cell phone providers like Verizon that are not providing the updates to the phones that people buy from them. I appreciate so much your posts. Please, when you feel I've missed a point, I've given bad advice, bad information, Go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and help me do better at what I do for you. Roy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Roy, you are rain, snow, nor dead of night shall keep you from your appointed rounds. Is that right? (laughs) That's correct, Clark. So you deliver mail for us. Yes, sir. Well, how can I be of service to you since you're of service to your fellow Americans every day? Well, thank you very much. Uh, I sure appreciate your show, just like to say. And uh, I drive a lot. I'm using a lot of gas. I'm looking for a credit card that I can maybe get some cash back that will be able to buy more gas to do my job. Well, historically, my favorite go-to for a card for gas is the Sam's Club MasterCard. Are you a Sam's Club member? No, I'm not. All right. Well, that would be worthless for you if you're not a Sam's Club (laughs) member. The reason I love that one is it pays 5% cash back on gasoline. 
Oh, my. That's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, that's definitely good. I think the next best one, you're not a Costco member either, are you? No, sir. I think American Express Blue would be the next best. Well, I've got a lot of offers from different ones saying anywhere from 1.5 to 6%. If you can get 6% on gas and they don't limit it too much, that's what I would do. Is this a good time to get a credit card? Well, the reward cards have been uh, better lately than they've been in years. The key is you've got to pay that bill every month in full. Otherwise, the 6% does nothing for you. Right. One other thing to look at, Roy, make sure they don't have a tight cap on how many gallons of gas you can pump a year or dollars in gas you can pump per year before they cap off you earning anything on the gallons you purchase. But 6%, that would be a great help at the pump. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com where you go to save money. So there's been this ugliness going on in Washington where on a 3-2 to two vote, an obscure federal agency called the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, eliminated rules that require monopoly cable companies and phone companies to treat all internet traffic the same and prevented internet providers from restricting you from visiting a website. So now, if, let's say, Comcast or Charter, or AT&T, Verizon, the big four of internet access in the country, if there was some site, let's say, that was bashing AT&T buying Time Warner, AT&T now will be able to block you seeing it and not seeing unpleasant opinions about AT&T buying Time Warner. I mean, that is dangerous to free speech. Now, the thing is, what's known as net neutrality and what was in place that is now uh, scheduled to go away, people aren't going quietly. There's now a multi-state lawsuit against this change, and the states represent about three-quarters of the population of the United States. In addition, all kinds of Private organizations have filed lawsuits, including a lot of companies that provide content on the internet that are worried they're going to be blocked or slowed down or all kinds of mischief. Now, I want to give you some good news, and I see good news on two fronts. One, the public overwhelmingly is opposed to Comcast or Charter or any uh, AT&T, Verizon and I mentioned those four because they are so dominant as players in Internet access in the United States. The public is so diametrically opposed to these four companies restricting your access to content that they are potentially committing marketplace suicide if they use the new powers that the FCC is trying to grant them to destroy your access to content you want to see. 
or to block content they don't like. So I think there's strength in numbers here and all the lawsuits and all that. I think that the worst that could happen isn't going to happen. You know, people aren't going quietly on this, and I think we're going to be okay. But the bigger reason I talked about weeks ago, and that is new technologies are going to provide new ways for us to access the Internet at ultra-high speeds wirelessly are going to eliminate a chokehold that the big four have on Internet access in the country. And we're going to see a number of companies, those that we probably haven't even heard of yet, that are within the next two years going to be able to start offering alternatives for high-speed Internet. And the ultimate best solution to this is in the marketplace, in the marketplace disciplining any company that would try to take advantage of what today is a near monopoly on Internet access and use that as a way to extract money from people and say, well, nobody's going to see your content unless you pay us this money. Or we don't like what you're saying on your website, so we're not going to let people see it. Ultimately, I have faith that competition and new technologies are going to solve that problem. But in the meantime, keep making a fuss and let's do everything we can to block the big four from doing things that would harm your and my ability to see and share content that we want to see and share. Lincoln is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lincoln. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Clark? Great. Thank you. So I got I got to... You oh, want to ahead. talk about saving money. I do. We like saving money. In fact, real quick before we start, I wanted to tell you that my um, we've listened to you for a long time, and my seven-year-old boy the other day got mad at my wife for working with a big bank that you've mentioned over and over again and told her we need to move our accounts from there because Clark says they're not honest people. Well, good for your seven-year-old. Um, That's great. Question, What's your seven-year-old's name? Uh, his name's Benson. Benson? Yep. Well, Benson is now an honorary member of Team Clark. You let him know that. I, I will. They'll, they'll listen for your podcast, and they'll, they'll love hearing, hearing you say his name on the podcast. Wonderful. Um, my question, though, is I've heard you talk about Scott's Cheap Flights before, and we've become um, big fans of theirs, but I'm wondering if there's anything similar for domestic flights. From what I can tell, they generally um, track uh, international flights, but we'd love to do some more traveling domestically. I just don't know if there's a service like them that you'd recommend. There's not, but I'm going to give you some tools of the trade that I use. Okay. So first, for people who are not aware, and I mentioned Scott's Cheap Flights just a few days ago as well. It's something that was started by a guy named Scott Kyes, who loves bargains and loves seeing the whole world. And he turned that love into a real business. And so Scott has a free newsletter and then a fancier paid one that tips you off when there's some kind of weird, obscure deal that might save you tremendous money. Like I remember he had one just the other day that was a deal on Ukrainian airlines or Ukraine airlines, whatever, 
that was going to Dubai, if I remember. It was like 400 bucks round trip. I mean, he finds, he and his team find these incredibly obscure things. And so if you, instead of focusing on, I want to go to this destination or that destination, you go wherever the deal is, using techniques like Scott has, will tip you off to these incredible bargains and you end up seeing the whole world but seeing it for a fraction of the cost you would otherwise so there are so many domestic routes so many flights in within the u.s border that there's really nobody calling the fares like what scott is able to do with international where there's so much less air service and travel and options so what, what I would suggest, have you ever heard me talk about kayak.com slash explore? I have, but I haven't used it yet. All right, I want you to try that. Because you use kayak.com slash explore, you can put a big map up of the United States from your departure point, and you can see all the deals that have popped up from your departure point all over the country. And you'll see something, you'll say, man, why is that? $82 round trip to wherever and you can click on it and it'll show you the routing who the airline was the whole bit and then you can go try to chase down that deal as well so it gives you a visual representation on the map you can use it also internationally but the main reason people use it is for domestic deals and when you're looking for the best deal flying places Google has the best airfare search tool in the country. They've got one called google.com slash flights. Have you tried that yet? Yeah, we have used that. Um, it's just The only problem there is you have to know where you want to go. You can't just browse around and see what's cheap. Right. So what I'll do is I'll do the Kayak Explorer when I'm looking for a domestic deal, and then I'll let Kayak, if I decide I'm interested in that, I'll let Kayak search it, and then I'll do the google.com slash flights. But, Perfect. We'll go use that. But the Google um, database is so fast. I mean, it's shocking how fast Google will load a complete and thoroughfare search. The one problem with all these, they don't show you Southwest, which is the largest airline for domestic travel. So you have to, they don't go on anybody's databases. So you have to search Southwest separately at southwest.com, and nobody does any kind of bulletin board that I've seen showing special deals around the country and hot bargains on Southwest. William is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, William. Hey, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely, William. You are asking me something I'm thrilled with. You're in your early 40s. And you want to know if you're already on track to have a good retirement. Correct, right. Um, I wasn't thinking of retiring anytime soon, um, but uh, I've listened to your show for uh, many years, and I'm just like wondering, you know, what is that target year or age, in this case, um, based on my, my current situation? Um, is, is, is what I'm wondering. So tell me where you are in terms of how much you've been able to save at this point versus what your typical annual earnings would be. Sure, sure. So where I'm at right now, so total uh, 
total net worth, and that's including um, uh, a couple of properties that I have, both a primary and a rental. Um, I have uh, uh, 401k and company match, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's uh, around, let's just say, between 750000 and 800000 So you've My managed opinion. to do that already in your early 40s? Uh, yes. Fantastic. Um, well, so the majority of it, um, truth be told, is because of the property. I live here in Orlando, Florida, and so um, a, a good chunk of it is is the housing, the, the two properties that I have. Well, but you you're the one who identified them. You bought them. They've yes. uh, they've appreciated nicely for you. Just yes. give yourself some props. You made that happen. Time is yes, your friend. Absolutely. Timing helped in the last decade because of the real estate bust that hit Florida so severely. But there you are with this fantastic net worth. And what do you earn per year, approximately? Um, ironically enough, it, it's right at um, 100K. I'm, I'm like right there at, at six figures. Okay. That's a great pay rate. I mean, that's much higher than the average income in the United States. And that is, that's really good because that gives you enough income to pay for your lifestyle and still be able to put aside a decent amount of money saving for the future. So the question I have for you is, is there a particular time you would love to be able to retire? You know, so um, reading the normal literature that you see online um, it's 67, I think, is where the current age is. I mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe in my early 60s, maybe even my late 50s. I mean, like I said, I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. But you would um, be able a, to do it. Uh, Let me tell you why. Okay. In order for you to be able to uh, know that you're living comfortably moving uh-huh. forward, you need 25 times your annual salary saved, and then you will be on easy street in retirement. So in your case, would that be $2.5 million? Okay. And you're yeah, already right. a third yeah. of the way there. So that's tremendous for you to be at that point in your life. Awesome. And so generally, if you think in those terms, 25 times your annual income is what your target is, you can forget all the other formulas out there and just know that's the eye on the prize. And so the advantage of it is you think, wow, all right, right now I'm saving X percent in my 401k. I'm going to step it up to X plus right. so I can get closer to being able to retire at an earlier point. And the less you need for your lifestyle each year means you get used to a lifestyle that you can afford at an even lower price in retirement. Gotcha. So, uh, but you're you're so far along because most people hit age forty and they've got nothing. They've got no net worth, and you've got already a fantastic net worth that you're going to build from. So you're going to be a okay just fine. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sandy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Sandy? Yes. I feel really bad for you. Somebody's using your caller, your phone number as a fake caller ID number bothering people? Yes. Uh, we oh. have had this landline number for around 40 years. And in the last month or so, I've been getting calls within my area code. Uh, and I'll. Uh, one time I had my hands in the sink washing dishes and I ran to the phone and someone said, did you just call me? And this has been going on for about a month. And I'm wondering, and of course the answer is no. And uh, sometimes they're, they're always in my area code. Uh, occasionally they're local. Um, but, but be that as it may, they're, they're asking, did I just call them? And I don't know what's going on, but this is a landline, so it's a little different from a cell phone. So, well, the thing is, whether landline, cell phone, whatever, the ability exists now, and I don't want to give away too much how people do it, but mm-hmm. anybody now can place calls fooling the number they're calling into thinking that they're being called from your number, my number, anybody's number. I see. The caller ID will come up with a, a fake number and that's known as caller ID spoofing. Mm-hmm. And it's sadly, it's ultra easy to do. And people mm. have relied on caller ID as a way to know who's calling and you can't anymore. Mm. So for you, hopefully they'll move on to another number to spoof. If they don't, you're going to have to let your voicemail do the work for you at your home and then when it's a real call that you need to call back they'll leave a message you'll know that uh, yes yes um i i just feel sorry one lady that called me back we actually spoke for a while and she was an elderly lady and she was very alarmed and oh. you know i assured her it wasn't me and anyone from my household and um you know so the important I thing will... the important thing of your and my conversation is two part one that that everybody needs to know and they're hearing from you and me that caller id has lost its value that anybody can pop up on caller id any number they wish any agency they want any company name they wish and the other part is that for you as someone with a number they can just at random end up using your number as the fake one Mm -hmm. and it can be really aggravating as you're experiencing now and i wish i had an easy answer sandy how you can stop this unfortunately today it doesn't exist 
You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews.